Hello, everyone. My name is Edith, also known as the Lady E, and welcome to the Lady E Effect podcast. Today, we have a guest on our show. Um, as you know, we have been interviewing a lot of men and um, very, very excited about today's segment. There's a lot of great things that we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor. And um, first and foremost, thank you for coming on our platform today and go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience and let us know who you are. Hello, my name is Stevie Burke. I am the senior pastor of Christian Life Church in Manassas, Virginia. I'm the husband of one wife, four children, and I have a business. And um, yeah, I'm that's all. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> okay. I don't want to talk about myself like that. So yeah. All good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for um, just joining us today. We're definitely looking forward to um, today's segment. So um, there's a lot of great things that you do and you're connected to a very um, important community. Um, we talk about men a lot on um, the Lady Effect podcast, let alone platform, because um, at the end of the day, men are leaders. Men do a lot of the things for the community. And it's important to understand all aspects of men in terms of their mental health, um, of course, their relationship with God first, that's number one, as well as, you know, what is manhood? What does that really look like? How do we deal with certain aspects when it comes to men in terms of how do they process trauma? How do they process life-changing events? So I definitely wanted to have uh, this time to speak with you in terms of that. And I believe that a lot of things that we'll discuss today will be extremely beneficial to audience um, the audience, um, not just for men, but also for women too. There's a lot of mothers raising young men mm -hmm. and they may not always have, you know, their fathers or, you know, uh, just healthy environments to do that. So I'm definitely excited to touch bases with you in, re in regards to that. So um, one of the first things I wanted to ask you is in terms of men, um, I want to dive deep into the space of trauma. Um, I think, especially in today's world, we don't necessarily discuss trauma to the degree that we should. And it's important, especially as men that are exposed to multiple levels of trauma. It could be murder. Um, it could be cancer. It could be a lot of different things. Um, what is your intake in regards to trauma and how men should deal with that? Oh man. So that's a, that's a huge question with a lot of tentacles to it, but you know, I deal with men. So I've been running this thing called man up Monday for the last 15 years. We do it every Monday. We used to do it in person before COVID, but when COVID hit, we went virtual and these last four years, I guess about four years now, um, we've gone almost international. So we meet with men all over the country and in Canada every Monday at 7.30. And so what I've come to gather and understand is that men experience different kinds of trauma. Some of it is abandonment. Some of it is just, uh, as you said, substance abuse or just being in war. Um, those things produce a, a certain kind of trauma as well. So, you know, 
men experience this. Um, I don't think anyone is exempt from having some form of trauma in their life. How we process it, there's a lot of narratives to speak how we process it. You know, for, for the longest time, men have been told, don't cry. Um, you know, it's not like a man to cry or, or pull yourself up by your bootstraps or, or just dust yourself off and keep it moving forward. So we never stop long enough to understand why we feel like this. How do we get here? We just push forward. And along the way of pushing forward, we just abuse people along the way. And we say this to ourselves and to others, that's just who I am. Not understanding how you got to be just who you are. So there's a plethora of different kinds of trauma. And I think one of the things that we lack is the vocabulary or the language to speak to this particular trauma. Just to say, I got hurt, doesn't speak to the trauma, but it acknowledges that there is some some form of trauma going on or there was an act of trauma. So, you know, just talking to men from different walks of life and different age groups and different ethnicities and just different cultures, we all come to the meeting with trauma or having had a form of trauma. For the most part, because it's a Christian group, most men have found a resolve in Christ where Christ has helped them try to reconcile this trauma through him. Mm -hmm. um, so just trying to teach language, trying to give expression to this thing that I'm feeling that I can't really, I don't have the vocabulary to speak to and just broaden the vocabulary to say, not to say that I'm hurt, but how am I hurt? Where am I hurt? What hurt me? And not say something as general as church hurt, <laughs> specifically who hurt you in the church? Um, trying to get to that point where we can narrow down where this trauma, where the genesis of this trauma started at. So, yeah. I appreciate that. I agree. There's multiple levels of trauma, mm -hmm. kind of like sins. There's not just one sin. There's a variety of it. And in terms of trauma, it's important, like you said, for men to learn how to articulate the trauma and not just put it in a box space. Um, of course, if we talk about in terms of putting it in a box space, how do we articulate it where the person knows how to receive it to open up the box, to dissect how we can resolve the trauma that's within the box. So definitely um, it's important to learn how to communicate. Communication is super essential. Um, it's the foundation of a lot of things. Um, the Bible teaches us that ask and it shall be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. So if you don't do these things, you know, how are you going to receive the, the healing that you need? Right. Mm -hmm. Because the, the antidote to trauma is Christ and he heals. So, um, there's a lot of ways on how he can do that, but we as men and women, but especially for men, I believe that it's important to learn how to communicate the trauma, um, learn how to identify it and process it versus deal with. I think those are two different avenues. Yeah. We've been I, I think one of the first things men are looking for is where is a safe place to unload this at? <laughs> you know, if yeah. I can't find a safe place to unload this, 
I'm probably going to carry it for a long time. Yes. I think it's a matter of providing a safe space in the group that I'm a part of. For 15 years, we've never had someone come back to us and say, you said this about me. Never had a spouse or girlfriend or anyone say, I heard y'all talking about me. Because part of our safeguard is that what happens in the group stays in the group in the sense that we don't share conversations because it's a safe place. And we police ourselves that nobody shares anything outside of the group because it doesn't belong outside of the group. So men need a safe place to unload this and they need to know that, are you safe enough for me to expose myself to you? At least the most sensitive parts to me. And if you can't provide a safe place, it's very problematic that they won't say anything. So, um, I think that's one of the key factors is, is this a safe place? Are you safe people that I can share this with? Um, are you going to condemn me? Or are you going to show compassion towards me? Um, can you under, do you have empathy to say, can you relate to this? Sometimes as men, if you can't relate to me, it's probably going to be difficult for me to articulate to you what I'm going through. Mm, absolutely. So is there a level of relatability? Are you safe? Um, can I trust you with this information that it won't come back to me and do me harm? Because I've experienced that before. And if this is going to be another one of the situations, I'll just keep it to myself. Mm-hmm. So I think these are some of the factors that our group provides for men to be able to share um, those moments when that they haven't shared before to anyone. So, so men need this and men of color, and I've experienced this across different ethnic groups. It's not just black men, mm-hmm. but Hispanic men, white men, Asian men. They all want to know, is it safe? Can I trust you with it? And what are you going to do with it when you hear? Mm. That's super important. Um, I appreciate you sharing this insight because these are conversations, again, that, again, men and women need to have um, and not just not, right? And one of the key things, everything you said is absolutely correct. One of the things that highlighted, um, I would say the most, especially from a woman's point of view, is the word safety. Um a lot of times it's kind of more focused on women need to be safe. Men are the providers, they're the protectors. They do this and they do that. But I don't think we talk about as much as men being safe. So if I can dig a little bit deeper into that, how would you identify? It could be from your personal experience, but in terms of safety as a man, what does safety mean to you? It means that you have provided a space for me to expose to you the most sensitive parts of me without feeling the guilt and the shame of this. I'm already going to feel that anyway because I've experienced it, but I know that when I roll this out, is it going to cause you to abandon me because it's going to be too much or... um, but I need to know that you can hear me, that you can understand me, 
and maybe not fully relate to it because of perspectives, but I can trust you that that you're going to be able to, to see me even after I say this. And that I will not lose credibility with you because I said this. Mm. That's important. And I think a lot of times when men may not feel safety, um, it can result into a lot of different things. So I, I would say most men in general, if you were to ask them how safe they would feel to say the most secret things about themselves, they would say, I don't feel safe at all. And if you ask them what that would look like, of course, there would be a number of responses. But I think at the end, they would tell you, um, I would need to know that I could trust you with this. Safety looks like trust. Mm. Yes. Safety looks like trust. I agree. It's um, just about synchronized, really. Um, you can't have one without the other. It's kind of like when they have those exercises, if I fall back, do I trust that this person is going to catch mm -hmm. me? That's mm -hmm. something that both men and women are looking forward to. Um, I don't think just in relationships, because of course relationships is everywhere, but in forms of just encounters. Mm -hmm. Because it can be with people, but it could be with jobs. It could be with security. It could be with income. But the the trust and the necessity for for safety, because even if we dive deeper in this and, and we talk about trust in in form in a form of faith, right? You're you're having faith and trusting in something, right? Um, of course, God, but there's, you know, people that can have the mindset where they're 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 trusting in someone or something because they're looking forward mm -hmm. to that safety being displayed in that form of trust. And I think as children of God and people of God, of course, this is something that we struggle with as men and women, um, learning how to trust, especially we can't see God, but God is everywhere. Um, he's the creator of all things. So in terms of like our trust, um, it, it makes me think about when Jesus uh, spoke to the father after, you know, he was crying out to him to heal his son. Um, he knew that Jesus could do it, but there was still that unbelief, mm -hmm. right? And, and I believe that belief and trust kind of go hand in hand because there's people that base their whole lives off of what they believe. So in terms of, you know, trust and safety, um, I believe belief is in there too, because, you know, most people are not going to believe what they can't trust in and, and have that ultimate safety. So um, in terms of that, I want to ask you um in regards to shifting a little bit but still being in the same space um manhood right because of course this is a very necessary topic a lot of men have been exposed to manhood in different ways um 
how would you identify manhood? Man, um, that's a loaded question. I wasn't prepared for that one. Um, man, I, I think manhood is something that we're progressively growing into because I think there's always, I don't think it's an end stop. I don't think you come to the point where you have fully achieved and apprehended manhood. I think it's a continuous evolving into this mature man. So what does it look like? I think it looks like going from a baby to an adolescent, to a teenager, to a young adult, to a middle age and an older person who's always acquiring wisdom, who's always acquiring experience, who's always acquiring um, knowledge. I, I think manhood has a number of looks. I don't think I could say it looks like this. Because if I did, then I'm trying to say that if you don't look like this, then you're not a man. And I can't say I can't say that because I don't want anybody to think that if they don't possess this thing or these three things, that they're not a man. And that wouldn't be fair and true. So I think a, a manhood looks like a young boy who is growing constantly towards um, this older gentleman who's acquired knowledge and wisdom and understanding and life experience and relationship and just practical principles that have guarded his life. So so I think manhood is that thing. I don't think it's any one thing or three things. I just couldn't contain, a, put a man in that framework. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um, and um it's important to actually have this discussion because kind of like how people confuse intelligence for wisdom, mm -hmm. I believe when it comes to manhood and just understanding um, we're human, right? We have limitations. We have things that, especially in the form of gender, um, men are perceived to operate like this. Women are perceived to operate like this. And, you know, in reality, it's not necessarily true because like you said, um, the, the fictitious narrative of men, you can't cry or men aren't emotional or things that, you know, are just not what it is as far as truth. Um, our society and our community do but don't really like talk about this enough. And mm -hmm. a lot of times it's it, it's displayed in the behavior um, of people. I'll say people, men, but people. So in terms of the word wisdom, um, wisdom is very essential. Um, if I could ask you, uh, in regards to the word, because the word talks a lot about wisdom, mm -hmm. it talks about a lot about understanding. And even when it came to King Solomon, when the Lord asked him, you know, was ready to literally give him whatever he wanted. And he, you know, basically asked God for wisdom. Um, to give him the wisdom and the the heart of understanding to be able to operate in the role that God placed him in to rule. Um, 
in in relations to being a man and in form of wisdom, um, are there some scriptures that you would like to share um, in regards to men and wisdom? I would say the whole book of Proverbs. <laughs> that whole book is a book of wisdom. And, and to me, wisdom is um, the ability to, to discern a thing from God's perspective. Mm. So regardless of what the thing is, the ability to discern that from God's perspective is wisdom because God is the ultimate. He is the epitome of wisdom. So I think when Solomon asked, give me wisdom that I may lead your people with well, such a great people. Um, and God said, because you asked for that, I'll give you these other things because God knew that the principal thing is wisdom. Mm -hmm. All that getting get understanding. Mm -hmm. Because if you have wisdom, you need to know the proper application for the wisdom that you've acquired. So to have wisdom and that understanding still confuses one. But if you have wisdom with understanding, now you know how to apply what God has instructed you to do from God's perspective. And so I think wisdom is different than information and data. Um, even though those things are have their space, but a wise person won't necessarily have the data or the wisdom uh, or the understanding or the knowledge. Well, they won't have the knowledge or the data, but they have wisdom and understanding and they can move like, how did you know to do that? It's mm -hmm. wisdom. So I think we can, we can be wise without data. Data has its place and, and knowledge has its place, but there's something about God's wisdom that's totally different. Mm. And it causes you to stand out. And, and and I think it's something that you didn't learn. God taught you this. And you can see what it looks like in the book of Proverbs. Because wisdom speaks about how a person will carry himself. And what happens when a person doesn't carry himself with a sense of um, regard or discipline or foolishness and, and what righteousness looks like. And so I think we can see the difference between foolishness and righteousness in the book of Proverbs. And it says a wise person would do this and a wise person would do that. You can see the manifestation of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And you can see what foolishness looks like. So I would say, if you want scriptures for wisdom, read the whole book of Proverbs. I agree. Um, I love the book of Proverbs. It's essential for humanity. Um, of course, the word from Genesis to Revelations Proverbs specifically because um, wisdom is life. I mean, God founded all of his creation through his wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, and it's literally life. I've read Proverbs and listened to Proverbs um, quite a number of times. And that's a blessing about reading the Bible and listening to it. It's just, it's always refreshing. Mm -hmm. The words are the same, but it has that much power that no matter what area or space in life, it's it's it really is refreshing. And um, I think the other day I was, um, I love of course Proverbs thirty one. Um, wisdom is displayed as a woman, but even with the first sin that was committed between Adam and Eve, it was lack of wisdom on both parts. But God created the man first. 
So with the man being the one to lead and the woman to lead by example, the I believe that even with the first sin being committed was the lack of wisdom. But also when you're in the book of Proverbs, you see how I think it was uh, Proverbs 8 that I was met meditating on and wisdom cries out. Right. Mm -hmm. And wisdom was, of course, speaking from a woman's point of view, but reminding you the importance of wisdom in man and not wisdom. I think uh, in, in the book of James, too, was discussing that wisdom um, that comes from above is different than earthly wisdom. Right. 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 So um, it's important to know um, and identify wisdom discernment too. discernment is also something that is in the foundation of wisdom. And like you said, um, in terms of just the word, get wisdom and what with all that get and get understanding. And I think a lot of times, like you said, a lot of people confuse data information um with wisdom and knowledge and understanding and um that's just not what it is because god's wisdom is always going to supersede our thoughts no matter how intelligent we are or how much we study and you know get all these degrees like it's so far beyond that because god shows you that all the time when it comes to his children i mean david he was quote unquote, the the underdog. He he wasn't the chosen in the eyes of men, but God already knew that he was chosen uh -huh. or he was chosen. So wisdom is something that, you know, we can't live without. And I think it was even in Proverbs 8, the last line of that is, those that hate me love death. Uh -huh. And that, you know, space alone is something that is extremely powerful because that lets you know wisdom is life and it's important for men and women especially men to understand that um success isn't wisdom um information isn't wisdom wisdom is something that it, it it's such a necessity especially in today's world because you know whether we're parents or not we have a responsibility for leaving proper wisdom um or at least guiding our children into the direction of wisdom because they're 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 the, going to become the leaders of the next generation so um i appreciate you sharing um i, th I think I th wisdom has a characteristic trait to it just like foolishness does so when you see a character somebody who's foolish there's a certain characteristic that you notice about them there's a certain character that they possess. When you see somebody with wisdom, there's a certain character. It's like, man, that's a wise person. So it has these characteristic traits that are recognizable if somebody understands what they are. So when you have studied wisdom and you have studied the book of Proverbs and you see someone who's portraying that, you automatically know, man, that's a wise individual or that person's acting like a fool. And mm -hmm. so because it has a characteristic trait to it. And, and, and it's apparent that this person isn't operating with the wisdom of God yeah. versus this person is. And so when we look at people, you look at them from those two criteria. So this is person is acting like they got some sense. We'll use that. Or this person acting like they ain't got no sense. We'll use that one too. So again, we people say, well, you shouldn't judge me. Well, it's hard not to judge people. I mean, so people say, well, 
God's small. God is the only one that can judge me. That's true too. He's he's your final judge. That's true. But he tells us that we'll know tr the tree by the fruit that it bears. So in order to know this tree, I have to judge the fruit. So it's inevitable. We have to judge judge righteously, though. Yeah. If we're gonna, if I'm gonna judge you, I'm gonna judge you righteously according to the wisdom of God. And if I judge you, I'll judge you correctly, but I'll also help you become the person that you need to be. I just won't judge you and leave you. I'll judge you with the with the heart set to help you become the person that God had designed you to be originally. I think that's what that's where our response is to judging somebody. If I'm going to judge you, let me help you become what you ought to be. Um, so wisdom is one of the things people say all the time. One of the things we're, we don't see in the culture that much is wisdom. Everybody's acting like foolishness has taken over the reign. So, you know, again, wisdom has a characteristic trait just like foolishness does. And Foolishness is prevailing because you don't see the wisdom of God like you used to see it. It's not that it's not there. It's just not as prevalent as it used to be. And I think we, the church, we, the kingdom of God, we, the kingdom of God, we, the citizens of the kingdom of God, must walk in the manner that wisdom is, is a difference maker. Where they see us and they know us by the characteristics of wisdom, by the characteristics of love and 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 peace and joy and all those things that um, a person that follows God looks like, that follows Christ looks like. So the scripture says the kingdom of God is neither meat nor drink, but righteousness, joy and peace and the Holy Spirit. So when we see somebody walking that out, it's like, man, they must be a kingdom citizen. At least that's my my resolve to that. So I think, in, you know, with men in general, we're always, I think men, for the most part, want to do right. We want to be that guy. It's just we don't know how to. And if, and it's hard to know how to if no one is sharing with you how to, or no one is modeling in front of you what this to look like, or speaking to you, this is what it sounds like. If you don't see that, you become what you are familiar with, what's surrounding you. And so I, for me, it's like me and the and the community of men that I deal with, we're trying to model something that the culture narrative isn't monetizing. You know, when you look at the news, all you see is what a wise man doesn't do. <laughs> but there is a community, there is a narrative that isn't being televised is what wisdom does look like from a male. Mm. We don't see that like we should see that. I think if we saw more of that, we would see less of the other thing because now you're modeling not what other men are longing to see. And I think every man wants to know, how do I do this male thing better? Absolutely. Um... I agree with everything that you said because like you said, I mean, there is a community of men and people and individuals that do operate and or at least look forward to learn how to operate 
through God's wisdom and mm-hmm. not the 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 mindset of men. And unfortunately, it's overshadowed um, by foolishness. You said it spot on, foolishness. Um, the Bible says it like it is. It's foolishness. Um, there's good and evil. There's death and life. Um, there's wisdom and there's foolishness. Um, I think it was also in first Corinthians. Um, I can't think of the scripture, um, specifically, but I believe Paul, apostle Paul was speaking about that. Um, the, the (laughs) God's wisdom is still wiser than the, the, his foolishness is still Mm -hmm. even wiser than Mm -hmm. the, the, the wisdom of men. Um, it takes the simple things to confound the wise. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, even the simplicity of life, it's it's wise in this in the sense that it can't be that simple, but it is that simple. It's that simple, and we think it have has to be deeper. It's not that deep. Mm-mm. It's that simple. If you obey God, I'm not going to say you're going to be exempt from having struggles and, and tribulations and 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 moments of life that you question. But to know that God is with you in those moments makes those moments doable. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like you're left alone in those moments. And we all have experienced moments where we felt like God wasn't there. And those moments were heavy. They were they were almost to a degree traumatic. But when you knew God was in the midst of it, it was doable. Mm-hmm. You know, it may have set you back for a second. But once you gathered yourself and you realized okay, Lord, I know you're with me in this and this will work out for my good in the end. I just have to trust you in the process of this and then walk out the process. You come out stronger on the other side Mm -hmm. than you were when you went into this thing. So the Bible says, we who have hope don't mourn like those who are hopeless. Mm -hmm. So we who have hope, hope in Christ, hope in knowing that God God is with me in this, we don't do it like the world does it. Do we hurt? Yes, but we don't hurt like that because we have we have an eternal perspective. My life isn't reduced to this temporal life. Mm-hmm. My life is an eternal life. So I know there is something greater than this that I'm dealing with right now. And so let me just do this to get to the other side of this. And it's greater than this moment. So you know, at the end of the day, we all want better. Yeah. But I think we have to ask ourselves, what does better look like? But what does better look like? And what do I have to do to get to the better? I think that's the real question. And we want the better, but we don't want to do the work to get to the better. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to share to get to the better. We don't want to expose ourselves to get to the better. We don't want to become visible or transparent or vulnerable to get to the better, but those things are prerequisites to get to the better. Right. But again, we have to have a safe place to do this. Have to have safe people around us that when we share this, they won't run and and expose all of this to people who shouldn't be privy to this. So I think we have to do a better job of being safe, to be better to show empathy and compassion and not to abandon because of what we just heard. Mm-hmm. Um, we're good for abandoning people. Um, I can't believe they did that. 
and then we leave them. But mm-hmm. shucks, I guarantee you, if I followed you long enough, I would say, I can't believe you did that. Mm-hmm. And what you would hope is that we wouldn't leave you and abandon you. So I think there's a lot of work to be done, but there's a lot of work being done. It's just that it's not marketed. Mm-hmm. and But we can't become weary and well-doing Mm-mm. because it's not. We don't do it for that reason. We do it for the audience of one, that being God. Yes. Then we do it for the for the sake of the other people that we're involved with. You do what you do because you want them to know this God that you know. You want them to be reconciled. The Bible says, for we all have been given the ministry of reconciliation. So we want them to be reconciled to the one who created them. And it's dirty work, but it's necessary work. A farmer starts out getting dirty, but in the end, he reaps. Amen. So, yeah. But he plants because he knows there's a harvest at the end of this. Mm-hmm. So we know there's a harvest at the end of this, so we're not afraid of the dirt. Yes. I appreciate that. Everything you said is spot on. Um, a lot needs to be done. A lot is going on. But, you know, it's important to have these conversations because there's people that in their silence are crying out for these conversations to be heard. So I appreciate you just touching base on all that you have. Um, before we close out this segment, um, I just have a final question in terms of love. What statement would you like to share with men in regards to unconditional love? In regards to unconditional love. Wow, you didn't prep me for none of this. So, <laughs> what statement? The only person I have I know that has ever loved me unconditionally was the Lord. My mom loved me. My dad loved me. My siblings loved me. But the Lord has always loved me unconditionally. And so, and I know that's a very churchy answer. But God is the only one who has ever loved me unconditionally. Scripture says that that Christ loved us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm. God displayed his love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on our behalf. And so if I were to describe that, what does it look like? Loving me in spite of. Loving me regardless of. Mm. Loving me with the hope of. Um, loving me just because you do unconditionally. Mm. And so God is the only person I know that has ever loved me without saying, if you do this, I will love you. Mm. Amen. 